Welcome to another fabulous, fantastic episode of My Orgasmic Life. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Gaia Morissette, and today's episode is brought to you by Tickle.Life. <laughs> okay, so we're going to have a conversation about sexual orientation around being bisexual and pansexual. And there's a whole bunch of things that have been happening personally in my life that's led me to being like, oh, I think it's time for me to have this conversation again. Um, so I want to start with a couple of different housekeeping things before we get into this topic. So the first thing is remember, if you find me showing up for you guys, entertaining, inspiring, and want to support the work that I do in the world, you can tip me at Patreon. And so a link will be in the show notes um, on how to go about doing that. Okay, so here we go. Let's talk about bisexuality and pansexual, pansexuality. So the first thing is, is that why do I want to talk about this today? Well, a couple of different things. So I'm going to start with my like exciting news. <laughs> so I am pansexual. And I used to identify as bisexual and I've had, and I've been this way um, since I was young. Actually, I've been attracted to both genders and now attracted to all people possibilities for me. And, you know, move, fast forwarding into the world that I have created around me, um, as well as the world around us, there is definitely a lot more um, acceptance than there was when I first came out when I was 19 years old. And I'm just so you have a reference point um, and you're like, wow, she looks so fabulous. Why is she talking about like that was forever ago? <laughs> because I'm 46. <laughs> That's why, because it was forever ago. So recently, so, so my, my um, harem, which is how I describe my ethical non-monogamous lifestyle that I lead, um, has always kind of, and my sexual desires for particular genders or bodies have kind of been very fluid throughout my life. And um, recently, I've basically have spent a lot of time in the world of spending time with uh, men and penis owners. And I forgot how much I really enjoy spending time with everybody else. And I've, uh, you know, started the dating process, you know, now that things are starting to open up a little bit more um, after COVID, and it's time for me to expand my harem. I'm like really excited about all these new people that are coming into my life that I get to have great conversations with. Um, and get to explore and expand and explore my sexuality and expand my sexuality. So I really wanted to just say, yay, I get to go do more exploration except for, you know, not just, you know, penis owners. <laughs> not that I have anything against penis owners. I love penis owners, but um, I'm very excited about those new dating possibilities in my life. So that's one reason I just wanted to kind of like 
share and be excited because part of my orgasmic life is about me telling you about my orgasmic life. And it's been pretty quiet lately because, you know, between COVID and the move, I've been pretty, you know, not as my frisky, horny, normal exploration nymph self. So I wanted to say, I'm coming back online. <laughs> so there should be some good new stories, good new content coming down the road. Okay, the second reason I actually wanted to talk about letting go of fear or shame and embracing who we are as a sexual being um, is because, you know, recently I, I was talking with one of my clients who has been struggling with their bisexuality and struggling with their pansexuality and have been carrying, even know intellectually, um, know that there's nothing to feel shame about and there's no guilt to feel bad about and there's no internal judgment to have like there's no there's nothing wrong with loving who you love and being attracted to who you're attracted to period and even though on an intellectual level like her and many of my clients that come and see me to embrace who they are you know, going out of the heteronormative, monogamous kind of love paradigm and sex paradigms, um, you know, it's even though on an intellectual level, we may understand that, but internally, there's a lot of scripts that are happening um, around value, being accepted, safety, uh, being lovable, all of these pieces around um, you needing to be in a society in a particular particular North American society, um, needing to be monogamous and heterosexual. So because of those, there's this internal kind of self-loathing or self-denial or, um, you know, not being able to communicate or connect the way that you want to connect because you don't, you can't communicate what it is and who you are and feel okay and feel safe in that. And there's reasons behind that. So I just wanted to kind of talk about that just for a second. You know, you know, I do a lot of celebration of, you know, lot all the, you know, the whole rainbow of possibilities of love and sex and exploration and who you are and your love paradigms and your sex paradigms. I celebrate all of them. But I wanted to take a moment to talk about how hard sometimes it is to celebrate within ourselves. So let's talk, first of all, start with how do we create safe spaces externally? So the first thing is, is that you want to go find your tribe, your people, your circle of people that you connect with. Find your community, whatever community that is. If it's the kinky community, go into the kinky community. If it's the, you know, um, ethical non-monogamy community, find the communities within those communities because we have poly and swinging and we have lots of variations of that. Um, so, you know, go find those people, that community, that group of people that you can be yourself with. Um, you know, if it's around your bisexuality or pansexuality, go spend time in those spaces with other pansexuals and other bisexuals um, because that helps us be normalize it and be okay in it and being surrounded by people that you can have conversations with 
that are just, it's normal and it's easy to talk about. It's easy to talk about like, I was totally attracted to him and I was totally attracted to her and I was totally attracted to them. And it's totally okay. Everything's, yeah, sure, no problem. Instead of being like having to feel awkward or uncomfortable because you're surrounded with heterosexual people who are in a monogamous headspace. And that's not saying that those people can't be loving and supportive and encouraging, they can. Um, but there's a certain level of comfort that comes by being in your community and connecting to your community. So that's the first part of like surround yourself with your community. And there's lots of you're like, well, where do I find these people? Um, well, the internet's a good place to start. <laughs> There's a lot of places uh, in the kinky world, bet life um, in the poly world. Go look for, you know, start doing some research for poly spaces, um, ethical non-monogamy, swinging. There's lots of swinging spaces, um, bisexuality spaces, pansexual spaces. So just, you know, Google it, find what's going on in your community where you live and start to reach out and make some connections that will help big time in coming to this place of self-acceptance because it's easier to come to a place of self-acceptance when you're with other people who accept you but also accept themselves so it makes it really easy much easier now the secondary piece of like really embracing who you are and owning who you are without guilt without shame which is the key to not internalizing other people's judgments or even opening up the space for other people's judgments is when we feel really comfortable with who we are. And it's just, it's not up for negotiation. It, it just is. And so that piece is healing those stories, releasing those programming, those um, belief systems that were imposed on you when you were a kid, when you were watching, you know, the adults around you, the relationships around you, the spoken and non-spoken, you know, belief systems around acceptability around sexuality and sexual expression and relationships and love expressions and, and you know, those kinds of pieces. So that will, well, first of all, you got to identify what they are. So for example, yesterday with my client, one of uh, her stories that have been playing in her for her has been um, that she's just seeking attention. So that was part of her story that by being different, as far as the people that she came out to by being different, being different, being anything that wasn't heterosexual, um, and monogamous meant that she was just seeking attention and going over the top and, you know, and, and that somehow that was a bad thing. Uh, we'll have another conversation about attention seeking and somehow that that's wrong, but that's not wrong. But anyways, the attention shaming. So that was what was happening was attention shaming. And so every time she would lean start to lean into this is who she is and she wanted to explore it and she wanted to expand and she wanted to reach out to being attracted to this you know women and and maybe have relationships with them um, there's this like huge wall of resistance that would come up because of that story and so yesterday we had a great conversation we had a great session and we did a bunch of clearing and a bunch of shame clearing and and now there's she, it, it helped her to be clear to start to be able to embrace it without this panic piece 
of resistance to it. Um, another storyline that's often um, is being carried is that no one will love me, like I'm a weirdo, and that it's, you know, no one will love me if, if people know that I'm attracted to, you know, more than one gender, um, they won't love me, um, they won't take a risk on me, um, these kinds of things. And there might have been in the past that might have been, you know, some truth. So there's some, there's just some, some valid, validation to that story. But the thing is, is that this is why it's so important. So yes, you know what? Somebody who is heterosexual and monogamous and say you happen to be, because, okay, so here's, I, I need to, I've been saying those terms together um, for a couple of reasons. So you can be pansexual and bisexual and still be monogamous or choose conscious monogamy, or you can be ethically non-monogamous, okay? So we have like, your relationship style is monogamy, conscious monogamy, ethical non-monogamy, okay? And your sexual attraction and arousal response is your sexual orientation, which is your pansexuality or your bisexuality. So, so those two things are separate and they can either you know, be together or separate. It's just like when I say heterosexual and monogamy, you can be heterosexual and be ethically non-monogamous or consciously monogamous or you can be, um, you know, there's lots of possibilities in that, okay? And that really, this is the other piece that um, I just wanna kinda, so, so you wanna figure out what those shame stories are that you're carrying that is preventing you. You wanna be able to clear them. Um, there's a couple different ways that you can do that. I talk a lot about releasing shame. There's lots of uh, episodes that I've done that have, you know, exercise on letting go and releasing shame and reprogramming. So, you know, go check out those. And if you need extra support um, on how to release those, reach out to me and you can find me at guymorissette.com and I can help guide you through that process. So where did I wanted to go with this? Oh, so we got releasing our shame, building our community. And um, now the next piece is around love, being loved. Because there's like, there's love and sex. And sometimes they're together, sometimes they're separate from each other. And so it's really important to really understand, um, you know, who you are and what kind of love style you have. So that's like, so you need to know what your love style is, separate from your sexual, your sexual orientation is. So that you can find compatible people to get those needs met. So if you are monogamous, and so when I talk about, so there's, there's, there's three types of monogamy. There is a healthy monogamy, meaning that you are solely monogamous, meaning you are not attracted to anybody other than your one partner. You don't fantasize, you don't think about, you don't think somebody's hot walking down the street. You are truly 100% monogamous which for the record is a very, 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 very small percentage of the population. Then we have forced monogamy from a cultural standpoint where we all actually are not monogamous. We are all actually non-monogamous, meaning that we are attracted to more than one person um, at a time. And, um, but we need to, in order to be loved and to be in relationships, we've been taught that we have to be monogamous for a bunch of political and religious and, you know, societal reasons, okay? 
that's unhealthy monogamy. That's the place where shit goes sideways, <laughs> where insecurities happen, jealousy happens, uh, deceit happens, all sorts of horrible shit happens in unhealthy monogamy. And then there's conscious monogamy where you understand both parties understand that they are actually not monogamous, meaning that they, they are attracted to more than one person in their lives. Um, however, attraction doesn't mean action. So they make a commitment for many different reasons that, you know, a monogamy can be simpler, can be less complicated, there can be stuff around diseases, like there's a whole bunch of stuff. So they consciously choose to be monogamous with each other, but acknowledge that they are actually attracted to other people and other people are attracted to them. And it's, you know, it's not uncommon for conscious monogamous people to be like, hey, so I went to the mall today and so-and-so flirted with me and it was fun or so-and-so flirted with me at work today or, you know, oh, don't you think he's hot? You know, you can have those conversations within the confines of your conscious monogamous relationship, which is healthy because no one's lying, no one's pretending that there's something else, no one's resentful, all those things. And then we have all the different forms of ethical non-monogamy, meaning that everybody that you're participating in and with um, are aware of a full disclosure of what is happening, that you're participating with other people and, and all the logistics of that. So like I said, there's different categories, subcategories under, un, under ethical non-monogamy. Okay. Now, so that's your love. That's your love relationship style. You need to know what that is. Then when we come to our sexual orientation, which is just who we're attracted to, not who we actually have sex with, but who we are attracted to. And so this is a huge piece that a lot of people um, get confused by. So they're like, well, and there's all sorts of interesting terms like bicurious, bisituational, um, you know, you know, uh, heteroflexible, like there's all sorts of different terms at that, you know, because we live in a culture where labels um, and we need to have lots of options. So there's lots of options around how we identify, but really there are like, you know, there are like the, the spectrum of sexual orientation, which is our arousal and our attraction to different people in different bodies. So we have being attracted to people in a, in a, you know, um, uh, that identify in a male body, and we are attracted to people that are identified as in a female body, and then we have, you know, people who are attracted to people who have, are in a trans body, and and people are that are a non-binary body, and so so this is where our actual sexual orientation comes from is basically what body do are we attracted to, and like monogamy, absolute 100%, one end of the spectrum of like the same sex versus one end of the spectrum to being attracted to the opposite sex is actually quite uh, small. Like the percentage is actually quite small that most of the population falls somewhere in between that, a level of attraction to different genders and different identities and different people and different bodies and different stuff. And so um, 
so that's, a, a, and I really want to say that because we feel like we've been taught, especially in North America, that heterosexual is like normal and anything that you attract, any, any sexual orientation that goes outside of that is that somehow is not normal, which is actually the opposite. All of our levels of attraction to different bodies and different people in different bodies that identify in different genders is actually more normal and a higher percentage of the population than actually people who are just only attracted to the opposite gender. So, so that, and I want to say that because we're not really taught that we're taught to believe otherwise. So, you know, they've done lots of studies that, you know, that there's all sorts of you know, there's the Kenzie scale that was done a long time ago, and it's expanded since then, but it still comes back to most of the populations in the middle of the spectrum. Because it's about who you're attracted to and attraction means like, like attraction. So like being drawn to uh, thinking somebody's attractive, physically attractive, uh, having fantasies, having a sex dream about somebody um, in, a, in a different body. Um, all of those things are based on how we identify sexual orientation. It's not who you actually fuck, it's who you want to fuck. <laughs> that makes your identity. And if it would be great if we just lived in a world where we didn't have to have any labels, I personally, I would just love that, you know, a world where we didn't have labels and we could just navigate as we meet people, how we want to interact with them and what kind of relationships and how what kind of parameters of exploration and attraction and, you know, connection and sexuality and love and all that kind of stuff. That would be ideal. That would be my perfect dream world where there were no labels and everybody could just make it up as we go along. And so it would, be perfect. it would be a perfect fit for everybody that you engaged with. That would be awesome. But we don't live in that world yet. <laughs> Maybe one day <laughs> we'll live in that world. But right now we don't. So in order to really fully, again, I'm going to come back to, in order to fully embrace who you, your sexuality in relation to being bisexual and pansexual, there's kind of three major steps. There is find your community, be surrounded by people in your community. Um, two, heal the wounds and the stories and the belief systems that don't say that who you are is awesome. Anything that you're carrying with you from childhood, from society, from wherever, past relationships, that don't say who you are is perfect and awesome and lovable and sexy needs to be cleared and needs to be healed. And the third thing is make sure you know who you are. What is, who are you attracted to? What is your identity? As well as what is your love style? Because of your love and relationship style, because that's key. That's a key piece of finding the right fits for your relationships that you have with people and embracing who you are and being able to embrace who others are. Okay, so I'm super excited. I should have lots of new adventures and stories because you know I'm back on the I'm back on the hunt. <laughs> my dating world, uh, which by the way, for all of my audience, 
is not an invitation. Okay, I just need to say that because sometimes there's some confusion that when I start talking like this, people are like, oh, pick me. Uh, that's not appropriate. Okay. Um, so if you're going to reach out to me, make sure it is only from a professional space of helping you heal, helping you embrace who you are and being the best version of you, the best, greatest and self-loving version of yourself. Reach out to me and you can find me at GaiaMorissette.com. Don't forget to go check out Tickle.Life's podcast, which I also host. And don't forget to tip your hostess with the mostest. Mwah! Bye-bye!